This is Pine Glass Football, and I'm your host, Brad Fowler. On this show, I'm going to drink beer and give you my opinions and discuss the latest news around the NFL and college football every week, from the NFL draft all the way to the Super Bowl. Not only will you hear my takes, but I'll bring on media professionals from places like ESPN, NFL Network, CBS Sports, Pro Football Focus, Yahoo Sports, Fox Sports, and many other media outlets in order to bring you the most informative and entertaining football podcast out there. Don't believe me? Well, PGF has over 400 ratings and reviews and is ranked inside the top 1% most popular shows in the world, according to ListenNotes.com. The podcast is available at PintGlassFootball.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. So become a member of PGF Nation and hit that follow or subscribe button right now. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, whenever you're listening to us, and I'm listening to us. They were making the Sports in the World podcast a part of your day. I'm Ladarius. And I'm Chris. I hope all of you are well and safe out there. How are you, my man? I was good until about 10 minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I think we both are. You know, we might send my head on it in our in our last segment of the show. But let's let's just jump right on in here. Let's talk a little college football. Just to jump in, get interesting with the college football. We saw the Red River rivalry. I practiced that before we got on here. Because of the rolling R's in that in, in that sentence, there's a lot of R's in one sentence. <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's like the Peter Pike, the peck the pickle. Pe- you see, there you go. See that something? Yeah, yeah. It was pickled. They were picked and they were piked, and that's all you need. To figure out where the words go in the sentence. But you know that game came down, came down. That one of the better games of college of the weekend, and something interesting happened in Miami, where we'll 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 jump into that. I, I don't know. That was on coaching, and we'll get to that. You know, one of the more you know, one of the more interesting game with LSU Missouri, especially both you know, especially for LSU, essentially kind of playing for their season, they're stepped up big. But you know, just give me some of your thoughts on college football weekend, and and some of your thoughts and reactions. Um, you know, I mean, yeah, we'll we'll, we'll start there with LSU and Mizzou. Um, like you said, uh, you know. LSU is playing for their season and, and Brian Kelly is uh, coaching for his job at this point. Um, another really solid performance by Jaden Daniels from LSU. He went 15 for 21, 259 yards and three TDs. You know, he didn't turn the ball over. Um, those are good things to do. Uh, you know, rushing leader on, on the LSU side was uh, Logan Diggs at 134 yards on 24 carries and a tutty. Um, you know, on the opposite side of the ball, what cost Mizzou is the two two picks, you know, that, that Brady Cook threw. Uh, you throw interceptions, the chances of you losing go up exponentially at that point. Um, you know, they, uh, uh, they, they had that game within, uh, within reach. I mean, if, if you look at the overall stats, you know, uh, the total offensive yards for LSU is 533. Uh, Mizzou was 527. Um, rushing yards, LSU absolutely crammed it down their throat with 274. 
versus 132. Uh, but on the opposite side, uh, Mizzou had 395 passing yards to LSU's 259. But those two interceptions negates uh, all of that passing. Um, and even even the yards per play was very similar. Uh, LSU was 8.1 per play and uh, Mizzou was 7.8. So, you know, that was a pretty uh, matched out game there. Uh, but again, those turnovers, that's that's 10 points. Um, that's essentially two. You know, that's that's two possessions. If you look at it like that, that's two possessions that were scored that they willingly handed over to uh, to LSU. And you can't do that even with Brian, uh, Brian Kelly coaching, um, you know, the uh, Red River rivalry uh, between the uh, Boomer Sumers and the uh, Longhorns, uh, you know, 34-30 was the final score. Same situation there. That was a, a game that was very, very closely matched. Um, but again, so we have two games in a row where the losing quarterback threw interceptions. There's a, there's a reoccurring trend here. Uh, you know, Quinn, uh, it was, he threw for, uh, 346 yards, one touchdown, but two picks, uh, Dylan Gabriel, 285 yards with a, with a touchdown. And that, that's the difference maker right there is, is those, that interception, you look at the score 34, 30, that's one possession is all that, that score difference is. And, uh, uh, we're looking at it, um, you know, same thing. You look at stats overall, 486 total offensive yards from Oklahoma, 527 from Texas, uh, 285 passing from Oklahoma, 371 for uh, uh, Texas, 201 on the ground for Oklahoma to 156 on uh, Texas. And then the yards per play, you know, Oklahoma averaged six yards per play, uh, Texas averaged 6.8. So, you know, it's another situation where it's a very, very close game and the difference maker was turning the ball over. Uh, so if we teach you anything here, ladies and gentlemen, and all things in between, don't turn the ball over. It will cost you. Um, you know, some other uh, uh, victories across the board, Alabama and Texas A&M, Alabama squeaked that one out. Um, one of the more satisfying ones, I'm not going to lie, and I'm going to keep bringing this up as long as it happens, and that is... Uh, the Kansas Jayhawks outright trampling the uh, UCF Knights. Um, to me, this is satisfying because now UCF doesn't have the luxury of playing Temple and Navy or uh, uh, Tallahassee Community College or uh, Middle of Georgia Farm School uh, or any of these no-name universities that they play and that those teams will go ahead and put up four 500 total yards of offense on them. And then somehow UCF squeaks out just out of it. Now that UCF is actually playing uh, uh, a more legitimate level of competition than what they had. Um, you notice that all of a sudden they're not six and zero or five and one or, or any they're, they're, they're sitting at three and three right now. And I have a feeling it's only going to go lower for them. Um, as I said, welcome to the big leagues. Um, maybe stay in the minor leagues and, you know, just hang out with those community colleges and you'll, you'll probably do better there UCF. Uh, so as they say, charge on or whatever their silly thing is. Um, the one game I think that was probably the biggest embarrassment in coaching history was the Miami hurricanes in the Georgia tech yellow jackets. Uh, I, I don't know what, I don't know what Crystal Ball was 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 trying to accomplish. 
Um, I don't know what he was thinking. I don't know what he was doing, but whatever it was, uh, it, it, it cost them the game at the end of the day. And you just got to sit back and laugh at it. Um, I mean, th- this, this has to go down and Ladarius, I mean, maybe you might have a stat or a fact or a trap question later on in the show. Um, th- this has to be the biggest folly of a, of a division one college coach. It, it really is. So now we can stop saying that Miami's back again, just like they said last season, they were back in the season before and before that, and probably before that too. Um, they're, I mean, they're, they're about as delusional as cowboy fans in, in, in college football. So um, uh, good luck, Miami. Uh, that one, I know that one stings. Um, and then just, you know, poking all, around the league. Uh, of course, Louisville beat the oh so great Notre Dame. Um, you know, again, Notre Dame, just one of those schools that's just severely overhyped and, you know, they've, they've got the, the eyes and ears of college game day, uh, and then the CFP and they always get forced into a situation where they choke and lose. So here we are again, uh, Notre Dame losing to a school they shouldn't have with Louisville and life goes on. Uh, and then last but not least, I I don't know if there's any games that you want to cover, uh, this week, of course, was Florida's homecoming adventure against the Vanderbilt Commodores and uh they they came out and put on a show there in Gainesville um you know most importantly you know I one thing that I I don't think that is getting enough credit is Graham Mertz's performance uh as as the quarterback of the Gators um you know he he just you know I don't I don't know what it is but they for some reason the man just doesn't get the respect that that he really should, and I and I really don't understand why. Um, you know, I mean, you look at this game; he went thirty for thirty six, two hundred and fifty four yards, and three touchdowns. Um, you know, if any other Gator quarterback would have done that, I, I think that it would have been uh, a bunch of uh, high hopes and hoorahs and a bunch of uh, a bunch of noise. And I think that for some weird reason, he just he just doesn't get that. And I don't understand why. I mean, I, I think that he played great ball. Uh, and I think that he he stands up to the test as a, as a Gator quarterback. And for some reason, he just he just doesn't get the get the respect. And I and I, I wish I could understand why. So if somebody would like to comment on that, definitely hit us up on the socials. Ladarius has that all information. I'll forget it or I'll screw it up. So I'll let him uh, do the plugs. Um, But overall, you know, solid performance by the Gators. You know, Montreal Johnson ran for 135 yards, got himself a touchdown. Uh, Airless uh, Boardingham really came out of the shell this week for seven receptions for 99 yards and two touchdowns. Um, He, I, I was very impressed with his performance. And I think that they they have another great target uh, that besides uh, Ricky Purcell to, to aim after uh, going forward. Of course, Florida has uh, uh, South Carolina on the road. I think this is a very crucial game for, uh, for Billy Napier. Of course, um, you know, being a coach for the Florida Gators is probably one of the tougher schools to be a coach in um, because of the fair weather situation that you have to face. If you win, they love you. If you lose, they hate you. And there's no in between. Um, you know, he also kind of is getting a rap uh, that he has a hard time uh, winning on the road. 
And statistically, if you look at it, he lost to Kentucky on the road. He lost to Utah on the road. He lost to Oregon State on the road. He lost to Florida State on the road. Um, you know, they, um, you know, of course, he lost to Georgia last year, but Georgia's just, they're a whole different ballgame uh, than what they were, you know. Um, he, this is an opportunity for, for Billy Napier to really, uh, do something and and show something. And uh, if he loses to South Carolina on the road, I think that could be detrimental to his career at the University of Florida. I hope we wouldn't get rid of him because it's going to cost us a lot of money. And this is a process. He's out. He's recruiting. He's trying to build for next year. The the, the team that he has right now it, are are pieced together uh, transfer portal kids and guys that he brought with him for Louisiana Tech. And what was left of the Dan Mullen era. So I mean, he's he's doing what he can. Let's let's give the guy just a little bit of a little bit of a wide berth. You know, let's let's give him another year before we start uh, chastising and and going all hoopla on him. Uh, and then outside of that, I think that really covers it. What I wanted to touch on in college, I didn't know if there's anything you wanted to circle back to. Um, no, just a couple of things. <clears throat> I think you pretty much hit everything on the head. You know, just something going back to the the Red River rivalry there, you know, listen, Texas had nine penalties in the game and to Oklahoma's four, Texas had three turnovers. Oklahoma didn't have any. So Oklahoma stayed in the football game by not turning over the football. And to your point, as we talk about, listen, you don't turn over the football. You're going to stay in the foot. You're going to stay in the game all four quarters. And I'm, I'm going to go back to the Georgia tech by You know, I want to read, Set up, set up, set up. Why, for those who may not know, why Cristobal, why the coaching decision was that bad? You know, going back to your LSU, Missouri. Listen, you talk about Jaden Daniels, two fifty nine in the air, three touchdowns. He also had one thirty on the ground and a touchdown. You know, like I said, LSU was playing for their season because of their early losses. You know, Brian Kelly understands that he's understanding. If he doesn't, if he doesn't understand now, in the SEC, it's something about winning on the SEC on the road. Like, you can win at home, that's fine. But, like, you kind of mentioned it with Billy Napier and how important the South Carolina game is where winning away from home, those road wins in the SEC. Like, it, it matters when you win on the road any in any conference, some might argue, but with the SEC it feels different because because of the fact that – because the SEC is, is, is easily – especially playing on the road is tough, as is. But you step into – the swamp. You step into Sanford Stadium. You play the University of Georgia. You go down and play with South Carolina like they're going to do. You play down at Old Miss. You play like it's like records don't matter. That crowd's going to be there. And that crowd, in some cases, in the stadium, how it's made, the crowd's kind of on you in a way. So that's what makes it important. But what's also important is Mario Cristobal and the mistake. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna set this up and why people here's what here's the scenario first. You know, there was 33 seconds left on the clock, and the Hurricanes had a 20-17 to 17 lead and had a third and 10 at the Yellow Jackets' 30-yard line. Now, in those situations, Chris, you would take a knee, take the W, you know, keep going about your day. Keep going your way on your way to the ACC championship game, you know, or on the path. But this is, this is what happened. He called a run play, and it was a fumble. So Georgia Tech pounced on it and took it down the field 23-20. to 20. Now, 
he, here's what Crystal Ball said after the game to reporters. This is according to Fox Sports. He said, we should have taken a timeout right there at the end. I thought we could get the first down, and we talked about having two hands on the ball, but that's not good enough. We just should have taken a knee. Yeah, but you don't put that – like, I can remember, like, I don't remember it wasn't there, but they always show the clip back in the day where the Giants played the Eagles in old Herm Edwards, and they show that play where, hey, you should, should have took a knee, you hand it off, fumble, ended up in a touchdown, you lose the football game. And then you talked about, Chris, like some other coaching blunders. Like, I had one of these, and the other one I had to like, oh, yeah, that's true. Go back to Pete Carroll in the Super Bowl. <laughs> like, and we're talking, you have four downs, one yard, and you got beast mode. You would yeah. think, you would think, like, I'm going to assume, Chris, that it was four down territory. I'm just going to just put that out there and say he had four downs. I'm just going to put that out there. Yeah, that's a, that's a fair yeah, one. Yeah, you know, listen, I'm no Nick Saban. I'm not a Mike Tomlin. I'm not, you know, a John Harbour. You know, I, I, you know I, I'm assuming you had four downs. I'm assuming that's what you told Russ, and that's what you told that. Like, hey, we got four downs to get this. Why in the dangerous are you throwing the ball? Lost the Super Bowl. And you can ask people to this day, and people will somewhat will defend Pete Carroll for that, but that just – you know, even Bespo kind of like, listen, Marshawn Lynch has talked about it. And the more the vibe I get is that, look, you know, he I, I think I, I don't know if it's true, but he laughed in the face of Pete Carroll. after that. Yeah, you know, I, I read an article about that. And, you know, honestly, I could see that as a very true uh, sentiment of 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 Marshawn Lynch, because he a he just doesn't care. And B, he just doesn't care. Uh, so I, I think that that's a, probably a very real possibility that happened. And I mean, you know, he, he ha- kind of has the right to lie. I mean, that, that, that poor decision cost them a Super Bowl. Yeah. And, and another one, you know, I guess we'll, we could go college, but I'm, I'm going to, cause the whole Patino Duke, that one's just hilarious. I'm not going to, I'm going to stick to kind of with baseball. We haven't talked about baseball on this show a lot. You know, because because one team, both our teams are in the playoffs. So maybe that's why we didn't talk about it. But no bias here in the Sports of the World podcast. Just because we support franchise having to be in major cities, we still support every team in the playoffs and, and you know, go Diamondbacks. So, you know. Let's, he does, I don't. So, yeah, you see, one of us has to for the sake of the brand. Other one, clocks in at noon, leads at 1245. Yeah, that's how right. we <laughs> – where does he go? Well, listen, he still gets the full check. I'll talk to HR and I run HR. But let's go back to a baseball here before we transition. Uh, talking about coaching decisions. Now, Chris, you may remember this. Back in the ALCS back in 2003, where it was the Red Sox and the Yankees. Oh. And we're going to do this. Yeah. Oh, no. It, it actually kind of works in your favor. Now, you remember Pedro Martinez was on the mound, Boston was up 5 to 2. Now, as the game progressed, I believe, let me double check. Yeah. Like to the eighth inning, Martinez looked gassed. He's a, he had over 100 pitches. So, Grady Little, the manager of the Red Sox at the time, instead of pulling him out, okay, we'll, we'll leave you in, Pedro. 
Well, here's what happened, Chris. Martinez tied the game, and in that game, some guy named, let me check notes, managing the Yankees now. Yeah, that Aaron Boone guy, <laughs> he hit that walk-off home run in extra innings that took the Yankees to the World Series, and they won it that year. So when we talk about how coaching decisions doesn't last necessarily in that game, it goes beyond. Because let's face the facts. If you take out Pedro and you put in part literally anybody else, you know, you, you're probably talking about the Red Sox going to the World Series that year. But I understand Pedro's your best player, but that's what happens. And essentially, sometimes you overthink it. And I think with Crystal Ball, you overthink it like just take the kneel, win the game. Because, like, here's the reality, Chris. If I told you Georgia Tech had 11 penalties and 13 first downs, that doesn't sound like winning football. Nope. And they only had two turnovers. But here's, you know, here's um, Miami. They had five penalties, 23 first downs, but they had five turnovers. So if I'm a coach, I'm going to harp on my guys about those five turnovers. But if I can still walk away with the win, I'm going to take it. I'm not going to risk it. You take the knee, you keep it moving. Not Mario Cristobal. And that's just something I think, you know, for those WWE fans, like that's a teachable moment for himself. Yeah, absolutely. So, and before we go, I'll just talk about the Gators thing before we go to the NFL. You talked about, like, Graham Merch. You talked about, well, maybe why he's not getting the respect. And and I'm not going to lie. Entering the season, I'm like, because I knew Graham Mertz. I knew he played at Wisconsin. And he didn't you know, do a very good job there. Yeah. And I'm like, well, all he he was here, here's what I said. And it's not defending grammar. I don't defend. I look at what I see. You know, loving the core position. He was he was not asked to do in college what maybe you know what maybe like you're seeing Drake May or Caleb Williams being asked to do. He's not being asked to throw the ball three, four hundred yards a game. That's not what he's being asked to do. And that's what he wasn't asked to do in Wisconsin. So we come to the SEC and different beast. And like there's offensive pieces there. And, and to your point about what we're seeing from Billy Napier, look, anybody who's saying, oh, let's fire him. I'm going to talk about this in the NFL segment because I have, I have a rant for Patriots fans when I get there. <laughs> It may not be a rant. You, it may not be a rant you like. Some may like it. Some may love it. Some may hate it. That's cool. But what I will say is this: that will kind of tie into the Patriots thing. Firing a coach does not solve the problem. I say, you know what solves the problem? I say, you know, I say, we're. I say, is the expectations? It's either your expectations are too high, or you you just want a microwave solution without using an oven. An oven takes longer to cook something, but you're going to get the results because it's going to be good. Throw in the microwave. Oh, it tastes a little funny. Well, you put it in the microwave, my guy. What do you expect? But the point is, I think give Napier time because he took over a program that, hey, Dan Mullen's thing up at ESPN. And every time I watch that, I'm not going to get into that either. That's going to probably get me canceled. But, but it's the point that especially in college, be patient because these guys are getting paid millions of dollars and Billy Napier has to turn around not only just the program, he has to turn around the culture. It's a, like, and I think I talked about this weeks ago in the show. Like A coach is about turning around the team on the field but off the field as well. He has to change that culture of that football team. 
And it's amazing to me that, you know, we try to explain the call like, oh, well, here's the win game. Sure. But listen, there are some coaches who have lost their job for off the field stuff. Nothing they did on the field, but off the field. So why do I say it's important? That's why I say it's important to understand that it's just as important what a coach does off the field as he does on it. Billy Napier has to convince those in Gainesville and those like fans like us that he can turn this around. I believe, listen, he's done nothing for me to say that Utah game, yeah, it did nothing. Like, I, I kind of, I didn't expect, you know, the breaks being off of, but hey, at the end of the day, we learn. If we don't learn from the losses, how can we win? But speaking of wins and losses, and it's, and, and what I will say this before, it may, be, may, may or may not be okay for Patriots fans. I'll lead in with this. You're one and four. And all I'm reading, because like I tell people, I also write, I write about sports for a living. And I read and I have to write about stuff. And, and I'm, I'm going to say this. The narrative out there that people, to me, it's funny. I have a couple of friends who are Patriots fans, good friends. And and I have, you know, and, and they, they understand. They're, they're smart. They're, they, they, they get it. I'm not saying those who don't get it are dumb. But they they see the the logic in this. If you really believe that firing the greatest coach of all time is going to turn, you know, is going to do something, then you've lost your mind. Because here here's where the problem lies, and all I hear is the comparison. Oh, by the way, we're in the NFL segment now. You know, I got too worked up to work the transition, and that's that's my on me. But here we are. And people talk about, oh, well, with Brady. And I say, stop. And Chris, you can agree or disagree. I'm, I, I, I said this in an interview with someone before the season. We talk about this Brady Belichick dynamic. And I always say this there would be no Brady without Belichick. And trying to explain to people, like, oh, what do you mean? Who do you think drafted? Brady didn't draft himself. You do realize that. If that was the case, who? I think they wouldn't draft themselves to Arizona. People wouldn't draft themselves to listen back in the day. What like now you wouldn't draft yourself to the Giants. So somebody has to draft you. And mind you, Bill Belichick drafted Tom Brady. And by and in that time, Chris, they, he Brady was the fourth quarterback. He was the fourth quarterback. And so, and when we fast forward the timeline, you know, Brady unfortunately gets, you know, excuse me. Bledsoe gets hurt against the Jets. I believe it was on a Monday night, I believe. I don't recall the day. Mo Lewis, the linebacker, knocks him out the game. So here comes number 12 running on the field. That's when we first see him. You know, Patriots win that game. So when so when Bledsoe gets healthy, Belichick's at the podium. And he has to make a decision. He has to, you know, he has to decide, do I put back in a healthy Bledsoe, whom they paid? He was the franchise guy, Chris. And, or do I stick with this kid named Brady? Well, I I think people know the, the answer to the question. He stuck with Brady. So when people come at me and say, oh, well, Brady carried, listen, there would be no Brady without Belichick. So, oh, he helped pick it. Listen, people say, oh, well, he helped it. Well, listen, I'll put it like, if, if we're using that concept, Chris, I use basketball. I know basketball, but I'm using something that we both, in the air, we both watch basketball. Where 
we all talk about like great dynamic duos. Like look at Scotty and Michael. Michael wouldn't have won those championships without Scotty, and Scotty Dernstrom wouldn't have won without Michael. Kobe and Shaq. Shaq wouldn't have won without Kobe. Kobe wouldn't have won that without Shaq. So when we talk about duos and dynamics, at the end of the day, even when it comes to head coach and the quarterback, especially in the NFL, for people to come out and tell me that, oh, Belichick should be fired? Listen, has he drafted well? No, he can't draft receiver to save his life. If you don't believe me, ask Nikhil Harry. If you don't believe me, if you don't believe me, go look at the list of guys he's drafted at a receiver. The best receiver he had was a guy he traded for, some guy named Randy Moss. You may have heard of him as a gold jacket, busting can. You, you, you guys have heard of him. But I say this to say this for in the ring, turn it over to Chris. When we talk about firing coaches, there's coaches right now that deserve to be fired. And I tell you who one of them isn't. It's not, it's not Bill Belichick. And people are like, oh, well, he wants he's got six Super Bowls. He's one win away from being one of three coaches in NFL history to have 30 wins. And so you know who those two coaches are? It's Don Shula and George Hallis. That's the list. Mm. So when people tell me, that's like someone told me, oh, well, the Steelers should fire Mike Tomlin. Listen, you know how bad – listen, somehow or another, Mike Tomlin has not managed a losing season. And this guy had to deal with Mason Rudolph, all right? So there you go. This guy had to deal with other offensive woes. Like, good coaching, firing the coach and solve the problem. Like, I'll tell you right now, and I'll say it, it's not popular. Sean Payton – you know what Sean Payton should be banked? Should have wished? He should have stayed at Fox. He should have stayed at Fox. And maybe that Chargers job might have been open by the end of this season. But no, you chose to to, to go to, to 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 Denver. And like, listen, and am I saying it's all Sean Payton's fault? No. But if you look at Russ's numbers, like I did, because I put the preview up, you know, the preview for the Broncos Chiefs game on Thursday night and up, and I looked at Russ's numbers, like Chris, they're not bad. It's not Russell Wilson's fault. It's easy not to blame. Yeah, go ahead. You know, he no, he's he's out there. Doing, I mean, yeah. If if you sit down and actually look at like his line card, you know, and and, and his stats, he's not, uh, he's not playing bad. Yeah, it's just it, that. I mean, first and foremost, the problem itself is when you let a team put seventy points on you, that's not on the quarterback. Right. Yeah, and, exactly. People tend to forget that. And 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 that's a reoccurring situation. Uh, you, you know, is that you, you look at the yards per game and, or just the the points per game that they're allowing, and at the end of the day, man, if you, if your defense can't hold up, you will get smoke checked. That, that that's just that's just plain and simple. Yeah. And it's amazing to me that I have to explain to people, like, look, like some of it, like, it will, well, why would you keep Belichick at one and four and fire Sean Payton with the same record? Well, it's pretty simple. One guy has six, has five more <laughs> Lombardi troubles than the other guy. I mean, yeah. it's, I mean, that's, I'm like, the only reason why Tom Landry got fired is because Jerry Jones was trying to bring in a new coach. Yeah. But you don't fire legendary coaches all the time, but hey, Hall of Fame coaches have been fired, but listen, Belichick, 
I said, your problem is simply this. Mac Jones is not the answer. That's number one. And 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 listen, I could make a case. Listen, they could be in, they're in the Caleb Williams sweepstakes. All right. So I am, am I suggesting, hey, tank it? No, I never believe an NFL team should tank. Like NBA team, you know, NBA teams don't tank because there's a lottery. So they could be the worst team in the league. You could have more ping pong balls in the old machine and still not get the top pick. Go ask the Celtics who could have had Tim Duncan. So, yeah. So go. Like the Celtics could have had Tim Duncan, but hey, they went to San Antonio. So it's amazing to me when we have those conversations about, you know, teams and court, you know, coaches and things like that. But it's amazing to me before I turn it over to Chris. It's simply this. When it comes when I when I look at a team like Carolina, Frank Wright's not going to lose his job. They're rebuilding, you know, something with Bryce Young. It wasn't expected to be a banner year this year. But to but listen, New England wasn't expected to be great either. Like no one expected them to be this bad, but at some point, like if you look at the once again, people don't like to look at numbers, they look at the they look at the record and not the numbers. Here's the thing. If you look at the Patriots, look at the Patriots injury report. I'm not I'm not saying I'm not defending them. Their their top pick, Christian Gonzalez, is on IR. Their secondary is, is pretty much on, on IR or, or on the injury report. And this guy is turning water into wine defensively, is Belichick. The problem is, is that Matt Jones has been given chance at the chance to be the guy. He's not the guy. So do you go to like do you go to Bailey Zappi at some point? And I would not be shocked if we see Bailey Zappi again at some point this season. And I don't mean like filling in for Matt Jones. I'm talking about getting the chance to be the starter next year to audition. Because I hate to tell people this, the only way Belichick is losing is not going to be the head coach of the England Patriots is if he retires. I hate to tell people that. That's how when you're good at your job, but no matter what company you are. You're, you're afraid to suck every once in a while. You're not going to get fired, but guess what? They're not going to throw you on your derriere after, oh, with the going gets tough. Like, listen, they understand your value. You stick around, and the only way you lose your job is if you get that, that golden parachute and get out of there. So that's my little two and a half cents on that. I'll let Chris take over here, catch my breath, to get his thoughts on week five of the 2023 NFL season. I mean, you kind of hit it on the head with uh, uh, with the coaching situation there. I mean, the Patriots, like, if it can go wrong, it's going wrong. And now, of course, they want uh, Bilicek's head on on a pike, um, even though the man brought them six Super Bowl, you know, rings and trophies. Like, come on, guys. Like, like power down. Um but you know that's just i guess the nature of the business at, at this day and age and it's because of social media so uh it is what it is um you know quick spin around the league um you know of course I, the game that i want to talk about is the jets and the broncos um you know this wasn't some big high moral great win that's going to put us into the playoffs or secure a, a playoff berth or anything remotely close to it but what it was, it was satisfying because of Nathaniel Hackett uh, being able to kind of get that real I told you so dig against Denver. And then also when, when Robert Sala 
you know, he, he, he told Sean Payton to stay humble. And, you know, when you, when you go out and you talk shit about another coach, another team, uh, you better win. You, you, you win like that. That is just the, the rules of the concrete jungle. If you are going to play uh, and, and you're going to talk, then uh, then I guess like that, that's what it is. Uh, but it is what it is at the end of the day. Um, moving forward, um, you know, I mean, it was, it was a solid, I don't want to say a solid performance by Zach Wilson, but he only turned the ball over once. So, um, uh, you know, it, it is, it is what it is with him. Hopefully he'll, he'll continue to improve. Brees Hall put out a star stud uh, performance. I mean, 177 yards on 22 carries in a tutty. Um, you can't ask for a better performance than that. So, I mean, it is, you know, it uh, good on him. Um, the Vikings are still in struggle land. Um, yet another close loss by the Vikings to the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, and of course, Justin Jefferson going down. Um, so he's officially on the IR. So that's at least four weeks he's going to be out. Um, they're saying it might take longer. And then also with him, Pot being at the end of his rookie contract. And then also um, uh, with the situation with how the uh, Vikings are playing. They might just sit him out for the rest of the season, to be honest with you. Um, an explosive performance uh, with the Bengals against the Cardinals. Uh, I think Joe Burrow finally woke up. I know Jamar Chase did with 192 reception yards and three touchdowns. Absolutely just knocked that awesome performance by uh, by the, the, the Bengals. I'm not happy to see them kind of get the juices flown and, and back up to par. Um you know, the Atlanta Falcons uh, got over the Texans, the Steelers over the Ravens. Um, the Chicago Bears put on a clinic against the Washington Commanders. Um, that was, I think, a game that none of us expected to go the way it did. Um, so it's nice to see the Bears, you know, get the uh, get the point on the board. The Panthers still, you know, riding the, the, the front of the struggle bus. You know, they're in a full rebuild mode and they're just doing everything they can to keep going. But, you know, the Lions are really starting to look sharp. Of course, the Dolphins. Another peak performance by them, uh, and then a very, very disappointing performance by the Packers. Uh, Jordan Love just kind of, kind of fell apart on that. And then, last but not least, um, the 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 San Francisco 49ers and the Dallas Cowboys game. I mean, good lord, you know. Um, it, if Brock Purdy is not in talks right now with. Uh, in the MVP race, then y'all don't know what an MVP should be. The kid's 10 and 0 in his last 10 starts, uh, barely turns the ball over in this game. I mean, you know, three for 252 yards and, and four touchdowns. You cannot ask for a better performance than that. I mean, it, this game was so out of control that the, the, the 49ers put their second and third string in going into the second half and still just, or excuse me, going into the fourth quarter and still managed to put up points against Dallas. Um, you know, it's it's typical Dak Prescott, man, just this turnover city. And when you turn the ball over, what did we say? You lose the game. So imagine that. Um, so definitely I uh, just wanted to check in to make sure that, you know, if they're still them boys or whatever that silly saying is for the Cowboys, I hope they're OK at the end of the day, because I know as a fan that probably had to sting, uh, especially to the 49ers so that whole rivalry. But. Um, you know, some teams are where they should be, and then some ones that you thought would be better are, you know, uh, not doing so well, like the Vikings. Um, 
you know, and like the Bengals and things like that, that you, you know, they should be in a better position, but you know what? We are still young in the season. We're only five weeks in week six could be the billowing week for someone to thrive and survive. So I, I you know, I, I, I was going to like, I was going to leave the stat alone, but you mentioned, you mentioned my Falcons. I, I you're not, though, you, you know, we're not, you're not going to see our beautiful faces. But I'm wearing my Falcon shirt, and maybe, maybe not Very because hard. we won. So maybe, maybe not we we won the game, you know. But Chris, but Chris brought it up. You know, Desmond Ritter, 329 yards passing in that game. So you know what I did? So I had to really sit down and wonder when was the last time we had a 300 yard passing game, and. And, and, and you know what? And, and I'll give you. Here's the thing. I, I'm I'm gonna throw it to Chris. And I'm I'm talking week and season. When was the last time you think the Falcons had a 300 yard passing game? Oh God, it had to be when Matt Ryan was quarterback. So at least two to three years ago. Yeah, I'll give you that. Week two of the 2021 season. What am I telling you? We didn't have a three-yard passer last year because Marcus Mariota, you know, bless his heart. We all know the story. Desmond Ritter's performance to me, and listen, I was the first, listen, I didn't like the way he played in London because he was throwing the ball, he was trying to throw the ball over London Bridge. That's the way it looked like. He was, when he was over there playing the Jaguars, and look, he was trying to hit Big Ben, and for Toy Story, listen, we could have got, we couldn't get, he couldn't hit Woody on a slant in that game. N- nothing, er, the, the ball, it, it was terrible. And this is where I say, listen, he heard everything I said as a Falcons fan, as someone who you know who writes about football. He heard all of that. He heard us fans and those who he went out there and led and drove the team down the field to get a position to win the football game. He did what a quarterback is supposed to do in a two-minute situation. He went out and drove the down, he drove the ball down the field and put he put the team in the position to win. And Young Wiku kicked the game winner. What I always will say is, is that look, Desmond Ritter understands it's up and down, and he hears reports that oh, they should bench him for Taylor Heineke. And you know, there were also reports that maybe Kirk Cousins could be on the market. And all and, and, and I go this. Would I take Kirk Cousins over Desmond Ritter? Sure. But you seen Kurt's contract? I, like Kirk Cousins may not be in Minnesota next year. So my whole thing is when we talk about quarterbacks, I already hit on on coach. I think I, I think I did. I'm not going to you know, re- rehash that, but I'm going to say this before we transition to fantasy. Is when it comes to quarterback position, it's patience. And I told this story here before, and I'll say it again. They had the NBC executive at the time. He did an interview. He talked about the show Cheers. Like we all know, you know, Cheers was a very popular show. He talked about there was talk about canceling Cheers because of the ratings. But he said two words to me that I use to this day that I think is applicable not only to quarterbacks, but to life. 
And, and he simply said, patience rewarded. He stuck in with Cheers, and Cheers became the number one show on television. And became one of the biggest hits NBC had in the last 25, 30 years. When it comes to quarterbacks, you have to get it right. You have to be patient. we got to remember, Patrick Mahomes didn't really play much in his rookie season. He, he played in one game and took over the following season and won MVP. We're, we're in a rush to put these quarterbacks to be success. And, I, and, I, and that goes back to when Justin Herbert's phenomenal rookie year. So every fan and every organization wants that Justin Herbert rookie season, year one. And even with Mac Jones, people tell Mac Jones in his rookie season, he finished in the top three in, in offensive rookie of the year voting. And then you had hope, but then it went down the hill. So, and people want to blame, oh, well, Bill took, no, no, no. It's, it, it's Mac Jones. Like, it's easy to blame the coach. It's easy to blame people when you don't know the full story. Like, I've seen enough to say that Mac Jones isn't the guy. Could I be wrong? Sure. And I'd be fine with being wrong because that's the part of making statements. Because it's your opinion and, and it's your judgment. And I say you circle around the league like people were quick to write off, oh, Trevor Lawrence, and Trevor Lawrence showed you why he was worth the top pick in the draft. Like, we got to stop writing these guys off or better yet, and in, and in the same breath, giving them so much time to, you know, could we give them opportunity after opportunity? Because at, at some point, if you can get – here's the thing, Chris. I don't know if you agree. You can get any other position wrong on the football field draft-wise. But the one position you could not get wrong is quarterback. Why? Go ask the Chargers when they drafted Ryan Leaf. Go ask them. They weren't the same for a decade. We're talking they chose – they went and they – you know, Colts got paid Manning. Chargers got Ryan Leaf. I think we all know how that worked out career-wise. Hmm. The point is, is that when you get the right quarterback, you're set. And your team, no matter how 50-50 it is, you, if you have a decent quarterback, you can build around that. But if you're a team right now and you're looking, like I said, you, even when you look at the Jets, like Aaron Rodgers, you know, he looks like he, he's going to play next season. But the problem is now that it, 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 this season confirmed that J Zach Wilson wasn't going to be the guy. He was going to be the guy to, to play under the guy so he could be the guy. So every we have to understand that's why the Jets went and got Aaron Rodgers because they said, you know what, we have a winning team and we need a, we need a winning quarterback. And Zach Wilson had to swallow that pride eat some of that humble pie with the fork. I don't know if he had ice cream or not, but he had to eat that humble pie. Only if his mom's milfy friends fed him some. Yeah. Listen, well, that, I think that's a pie for the rock would understand, but that's a whole different the pie. Poon tang pie. That's the attitude era pie. That's God, man. What a, what a, you know, that uh, I'll go off on that tangent later because I, the, the the attitude area was the best era of wrestling hands down no comparison and it it it's just it sucks today so we'll we'll get that so put so folks you want to hear more that put a pin into it after i get done here after fantasy football we'll talk about that but but to to to, to button this up is to say this being a quarterback is, is the hard i, I took it's 
it's the toughest job in sports because you're the face of the franchise, whether you want to be it or not. And when you look at a guy, look at these 32 quarterbacks you're playing now. A third of them may not be starting next year. Why? Because if there's we have a draft, like listen, we have Caleb Williams may or may not come out. Drake May is gonna come out. Who's gonna go where? You got you could go down like the I think Virginia got the Brendan Armstrong, and then you you could go you you can go to countless parts, Sam Hart. There's guys out there in the draft people are looking at. So your job is never safe unless you're a guy like Patrick Mahomes, you're a Justin Herbert, you know. Your or Joe, your job is safe. But when we talk about quarterbacks, we have to understand patience reward, but also invest that patience to somebody who can actually be that guy. Because if not, your franchise is going to suffer for the next decade, and in some cases, some franchises still haven't recovered from not having that quarterback. But speaking of quarterbacks, that's where we transition to fantasy and. And Chris, some interesting situations developing quarterback-wise with the health of Deshaun Watson may or may not go. Looks like maybe, maybe P.J. Walker, a name that is familiar to, to Panthers fans, certainly, could be a guy that comes in and steps in. We've seen some great efforts from a lot of guys like Stafford. You, you know, we've seen some efforts, but they're and, and injured across the league. Listen, like I hate to tell people who own, you know, I'm talking to – I'm. This may hurt some feelings on this podcast and maybe to my co-hosts here, but Justin Jefferson's injury mm. going on IR. Mm. So, so the question is, who's up on the waiver wire? Who, or better, who can you put in who's on your team now likely to kind of pick up those, maybe not pick up all those Jefferson points, but to kind of keep you buttoned up for at least a month that's the minimum time to be on injured reserve. So with that being said, here are Chris's stardom and sit for week six of the National Football League. You know, this week is, yeah, like you said, uh, it's going to make things... It's it's going to make things interesting at the end of the day. Um, you know, moving on. So first, I guess, you know, if we want to talk about fantasy, one thing you have to watch out for, and I'm just going to bring this shit up because it, 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 it's really, it, it, it grinds my gears. Uh, and you know, if you're in a league, trades are going to happen. If you don't want trades to happen, then don't allow trades to happen from week one. If you don't like the way trades are going, then wait till next season and then just handle it then. If you're going to change the rules mid-season, that's a fucking joke. I said what I said, and if that's how it's going to be, actions will always have consequences. So just remember that. Um, you know, if you don't like something, then save it for next season. And if you're going to cry about a trade, especially when you're a certain person that offers shitty trades to people all the time and and does shisty things in other leagues and then cry about it because when you offered a shitty trade it didn't get taken but when i gave away the house and it got taken somehow i'm the fucking bad guy so that's 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 my take on that so i'll go ahead and and i'll give my uh uh 
set up for stardom and set him for week six because I, I I'm just I'm still heated over this. Your your guaranteed starters, your Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, your Tua's, your stronger starts, uh, Matthew Stafford and the Rams going to Arizona. Um, he's been throwing a ton uh, since week one, and uh, now with Cooper Cup coming back, it's only going to help him. Uh, Lamar Jackson, the Ravens going against the uh, Tennessee Titans in London, jolly old England. He's been a bit frustrating, but I, th- I think he's starting to catch on board with uh, with things. He had a really good uh, link up session with uh, with D Hop last week, and I think it'll continue. Uh, Brock Purdy in the 49ers, the kid's just going to continue to get better and better. They're going against Cleveland and the Browns on paper. They're a tough matchup. But let's just face it, Brock Purdy just demolishes everybody. Uh, Geno Smith and the Seahawks uh, against Cincinnati. Uh, they're coming off a of bye week, so they got that nice, nice rest. And then also, um, this is going to be a shootout between the Seahawks and the Bengals. So uh, be prepared for that. Um, and then Sam Howell and the Commanders going against the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, you know, Howell isn't pretty, um, but he he puts points on the board at the end of the day. Um, your weaker starters... Josh Dobbs, the Cardinals uh, going against the Rams, Uh, the Rams, they contain average passing games. uh, So I think that it's just going to be a situation where they're going to be able to hold them down. CJ Stroud and the Texans going against the Saints. This is a tricky, excuse me, it's a tricky spot against a a similar defense to the Falcons. Um, And, you know, the Saints coming off of a shutout against the Patriots, I think is like every childhood's wet dream. So I definitely think that uh, this, this could be a bad situation for the Texans. Uh, Russell Wilson going against the Broncos. The the Chiefs have a great pass defense with pressure. Russell Wilson is running for his life back there, and he's playing from behind most games, so he's going to have to throw big, and when you throw big, you end up not throwing well. Um, Dak Prescott and the Cowboys going against the Chargers. The matchup says yes, but based off of recent performances, eh, I think that this is such a, the, the situation there. Uh, Desmond Ritter and the Falcons uh, going against the the Commanders. Uh, you know, in theory, this is one of those situations. This is going to be a low war, low reward, high risk option. So just definitely be very careful on that. Uh, moving down the running backs, of course, your must starts: your McCaffrey's, Raheem Mostert's, Bijan Robinson's, Travis Etienne's. Uh, some of your stronger starts will be Derrick Henry and the Titans going against the uh, Ravens in jolly old England. Uh, it's week to week, but uh, Baltimore has kind of had a weird issue with run defense as of late. So I think Derrick Henry is going to a come back and have a big game. He needs one. I think this is an opportunity for him and I think it'll succeed on it. Uh, Brees Hall, the New York jets going against the Philadelphia Eagles, fly Eagles fly. Um, You know, this is a tough matchup, but I think that because of the lack of the pass game and Philadelphia has a pretty solid pass defense, not a so solid run defense. I think that Brees Hall will fare out just fine on that. Uh, James cook with the Buffalo bills going against the giants. Uh, he, you know, he was erased by the Jags in London, but I think he should get a, a lot of cleanup work, uh, at home on a Sunday night game. Um, Miles Sanders and the Panthers going against the Dolphins. Uh, you know, Chuba Hub is starting to really become a concern. Um, so here's kind of a get well game, uh, to, to really get in there. Miami does, they don't do, you know, Miami's a good team. It's just their run defense isn't as solid. So I, I guess that's, uh, you know, it's going to be an area to, to work through there. So some of your weaker starts, Zach Moss with the Colts going against the Jags. Um, I think just any run, any any running back against the Jaguars is going to be a rough situation there. Uh, Damian Pearson, the Texans going against the Saints. The, the Texans run block, it just, they're not doing anything. They're I, I don't even know if they understand that they're on the field half the time based on their performance. 
Um, any Colts, again, just circling back. I know JT's back in the mix. Any Colts running back going against the Jags, just just don't do it. Uh, Tyler Alger uh, uh, with the Falcons going against Commanders. Uh, you know, they, they ramped up his workload, but it's it's a Bijan Robinson game at the end of the day, so keep that in the back of your mind. Uh, and then last but not least, Rashard White from the Buccaneers going against Detroit. The Lions just have an incredibly hard run defense. If you haven't really watched them and you get bored enough, watch them film on on the Lions. They they can they can plug a hole when they need to plug a hole. Um, moving down the wideouts, uh, of course, your Tyree kills, Stephon Diggs, uh, Cooper Cup. Now that he's back in the reins off of that uh, that ham injury, so glad to see him back in the mix. Um, some of your stronger starts, uh, Jordan Addison. Now that uh, Justin Jefferson is out for the four games. I think that he will be a uh, a home run play, uh, you know, playing at Chicago. They, the Vikings have to win this game, and I think they're going to do what they can to win the game. Um, so definitely be ready for that. Uh, Drake London with the Falcons. Uh, I think London can have a huge game. He's going to be lined up more than likely against Emmanuel uh, Forbes against the Commanders, and Drake London should be able just to turn and burn. Um, KJ Osborne with the Vikings, same thing. Um, you know, a little purple goblins back in action. And then, you know, the situation with Justin Jefferson increases his durability is his ability to perform. Uh two two Atwell from the Rams going against the cards. Um th- this dude's just gonna just ballet dance all over the place and and just and really, really hammer it down. Uh Chris Godwin with the Buccaneers going against Detroit. Um y- y- you know, the situation with the Lions is that uh they're not they're not good in the slot without Brian Branch. You know he's got that ankle injury that's uh, that's doing a little bit of issue with him. So I think Chris Godwin's going to have himself a heck of a game. Uh, Tyler Lockett again coming from the Seahawks uh, with the Bengals. This is he's going to be get more involved. Of course, DK Metcalf is going to get a lot of the reads and a lot of the looks and a lot of the pressure on defense, which is going to leave Tyler Lockett wide open. And Tyler Lockett. Uh, he will do things with that, and Cincinnati has that issue where they can get do, they can cover an, uh, a, a WR one that WR two they they struggle a little bit with, uh, and then Josh Palmer uh, Palmer from the Chargers going against Dallas. I think that he's good enough. He's going to see the required targets against a beatable secondary. Um, so I think he's definitely going to get a lot of looks, especially when uh, the Chargers are going to have to start spreading that ball around. Your weaker starts are going to be, of course, um, Michael Pittman Jr. from the Colts going against the Jags. Um, I don't think he's just going to be good enough to, to really create some separation between he and Tyson Campbell um, the way that, like, Stefan Diggs did. Um, so definitely watch out for that. Um, Terry McLaurin from the Commanders going against to, uh, uh, Atlanta. Um, you know, this is a, a same similar situation. He's, he's just not in a good spot this week. Uh, Cortland Sutton with the Broncos. Uh, you know, I think it's the situation. Jerry Judy, the Broncos, same situation. Uh, they are just not in a good place in life right now. Um, so I definitely, if you have them on your team, I would probably bench them and just kind of let it go. Uh, Alan Lazard with the Jets, as promising as this looks, uh, there's still a lot of a lot of issues on that Jets offense. Um, he had, you know, he had a great little spot last week. I don't think that it's going to carry on. And then again, the Jets, or excuse me, the Eagles' defense is is a pretty stacked defense. So. Uh, watch out for that. Last but not least, moving into the tight ends, of course, your Travis Kelsey, if he plays. I know he's we've we've got this ankle issue. Your Sam Laportas, your Dallas Goddards, and of course George Kittle's those types. Um, you know your, your stronger starts: Cole Komet from the Chicago Bears uh, going against the Vikings. 
Um, I, I think he he can easily find the end zone against Minnesota's just just Swiss cheese defense. So definitely be prepared for that. Uh, you know, I think that Kyle Pitts should have a big game against the uh, Washington Commanders. Um, I, I think that he's going to be able to get some get some play, get some things going, especially now that Van Jefferson now being a member of the Falcons organization. I think that just puts one more person on the Falcons offense that can actually catch a ball. So I think that that might draw some coverage and allow Kyle Pitts to, you know, fall into some flats or just just, just get him up in the air and get that ball and and, and get some receptions. Um, you know, I think Tyler Conklin, even though I was just talking shit about the Jets defense earlier, um, the Eagles have been very shaky versus a tight end this season. If you look at any tight end that's played against them this season, the numbers are impressive. So I think even with all the situation with the Jets right now, I think Tyler Conklin and Brees Hall, of course, will be your two best offensive options. Uh, Dalton Schultz from the Texans, dude, just, dude, just won't, won't, he just won't die yet, man. He's, he's old. I don't know how old, but he's old. But he's still out there doing the work on the uh, on the tight end side of the ball. I think he'll do uh, just fine. Some of your uh, weaker starters, I think Noah Fant with the Seahawks. Uh, Fant just he just he's not getting enough targets, um, and that's just because of the situation of of the talent that's around him there. Um, Hunter Henry, you know, I don't know if we should put out a missing persons report for the entire uh, New England Patriots offense after last week, but that's definitely something maybe we should look at doing to help them out. Uh, Darren Waller uh, uh, with the Giants uh, go, going against Buffalo. Same situation there. I think that uh, it's going to be a, uh, a weird, uh, a weird situation. I, I just I don't know. I think that it's just not going to be a good start for him. Buffalo can cover the tight ends, and then Jake Ferguson from the Dallas Cowboys going against the 49ers. Um, you know, uh, or excuse me, uh, we're going to go. Ahead. That was my notes from last week. I'm sorry. We're going to go ahead and scratch that. Um, and then last but not least, Hayden Hurst from the Panthers going against the Miami Dolphins. Um, similar situation. It's just the Panthers are in shambles. They're trying to figure out a quarterback situation. They're trying to figure out they're trying to figure out who they are as an organization. Um, so hopefully they can can get that together sooner rather than later. But I just don't see Hayden Hurst being an option this week. So um, those are my stardoms and sitems. Hopefully they do something for you if you don't have rules being changed halfway through the league. Um, if you do, then it sucks to suck. And, and in the words of Emperor Palpatine, do what must be done. Yeah. You know, I think we can put up a sign and then we can put up zero days without a Star Wars reference now on the, uh, that's right. On the the sign. I think the sign was reaching triple digits, I think, back then. But, but to your point, uh, before we talk about, you know, extra stuff and then put a button on the show. Fantasy football this season has been it's it's it's, it's been tough, and and I, and I think I've, I my, my biggest thing is this: sometimes you ha- you can have a strategy and it's cool, and it's great, but the reality is this: you know sometimes like if you like I'll give you an example, in one of the leagues I'm in, and shout out to the Scott Fishbowl League, shout out to them, you know I have. I have Justin Jefferson, C.D. Lamb, and Tyreek Hill in my league, on my team. And I'm sitting at 500. So I'm kind of sitting kind of somewhere in the middle. And people think, oh, you should be upset. No, here's the reality. Sometimes, you know, fantasy first and foremost should always be fun first. And second, you know, there's that competition level that's there. So, So the reality is, like Chris was alluding to, 
You know, he alluded to some guys, but listen, I, I think it's interesting. Like situations where you would have thought in the past would not have been great matchups or some that have been bad matchups. But now listen, Justin Jefferson changed the course for a lot of teams. It's a game changer, even though it, it could be up for it's the IR is up. Like I said, it's up for a month. It's for four weeks. But we don't know for sure if the team would even take him off of IR or once he's, you know, once that time frame is up. So the, qu- the question becomes for your fantasy team, like I said, it's, it's early. It's early on in, in, in all leagues. But right now, some people are right now deciding what to do with their team. And especially if you're in a dynasty league, I think it's super important not to, to panic because if you're playing like a one one off season and it's just guys you're never going it's not going to carry over to till 2024 so so you you have you you feel a little bit safer in terms of like making your decisions but if it's a dynasty league it's super easy to get caught up in wanting to move pieces and to shake things up but here's the reality if you have Justin Jefferson on your team you're going to be fine long term because he, he may, depending on, and this is important, this depends on the Vikings season because we've seen situations, Chris, where some teams, guys healthy, and you look at the record, you're like, we're not going to bring him back because, A, you're not in contention to go to the playoffs, and you don't want to risk any further injury down the road. And those are things to consider for fantasy, too. Like, sometimes you got to factor in real life stuff because sometimes we get lost in the fantasy and fantasy football and tend to forget that. So sometimes a team's record does go into the mind of these organizations. Like, do you want to risk putting your guy out there, you know, when the team is absolutely going nowhere? Some kids, we've seen it shut down. We see it in baseball all the time because baseball is 162 games. So we've seen managers organizing like, hey, we're going to shut this guy down for the year. And maybe, and depending if there's playoffs, like, you know, we're in a position we can make the play, we can shut him down, and we'll put him on the playoff roster. But the reality is when it comes to fantasy overall, it's important to understand this. Always look at your injuries. I guess that's my message. Always look at your injuries. Because you can have a strategy, and it can be great. And I don't – listen, I, I have a strategy. I'm not going to tell you what my strategy is. Chris has an idea what it is, but even me, he may not know. He's a smart guy. Even he may not know, which will shock me. But I always remember this saying by Mike Tyson. If he, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. There you go. And, that, and that's it. And I got punched in the face because I traded away – good players and multiple draft picks to get a better player. And then of course the little salt brigade is upset because they tried trading for Justin Jefferson and weren't awarded the trade because they were just offering shit like they always do. And uh, I get Justin Jefferson and then the the guy goes on IR. So it's like, I, I, I lost at the end of the day. So I, I, I spent a lot of money for something I can't use for five weeks at least. Because I yeah. didn't get to use him last week, and then he sits out for a minimum of four, and then we have to take into consideration if the Vikings lose another four games, do they want to put their crown jewel back on the field and risk re-injury? Exactly. Absolutely not. So let's it's, it's, you know, let, just play smart. That's that's my play smart. And if you're in a situation where rules change, then just remember when they change the rules, you can always change the outcome by the by the actions that you take. So, and if you don't know what I mean. You'll figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, like I said, the overriding message is, hey, good to have a strategy and always have a plan B. 
like I said, and at, the, and at the end of the day, in some leagues, I'm doing great. But listen, the reality is, hey, you make tough decisions, and people understand. You you make not everybody's going to agree with you. Like I'll, I'll give you an example before we, you know, transition on our way out. Is you look at some trades you see in the NFL, people say, oh wow, that trade looks really one sided. It's like this. Why do you think you don't see superstars traded all the time in the NFL? Why do you think they would prefer to go to free agency? Because you're never going to get that same value. And this it, this feels like I think sometimes we weren't like taught when we were in high school. I could say at least, Chris, we weren't taught like, you know, how things work financially in terms of like financial plan. We had to figure it out when we got adults. Like I'll give you an example. Like when Odell Beckham Jr. was traded from the Giants to the Browns. At that time, it was a big deal because you didn't see players of his caliber at that time just being moved. And, yeah, you know, did they get a first-round pick? Sure, did they get that? But it will never equal the value. It's like if you drive off a Lamborghini off the lot, it depreciates the minute you get behind, you buckle your seatbelt, and you leave that car lot. Things depreciate over time. I. And, 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 and listen, and, and why bring up in fantasy? Because you mentioned it, like trades. Like at some point, a trade, when you make a trade between two people, if two parties understand what they're doing and it's a competent trade, and if, you know, there's no collusion, there's none of that nonsense, like you're making a deal that's best for your team and you can't speak about how other people feel about it. It's just like, Chris, we've seen trades go down all the time in any sport, and we're like, oh, man, I don't agree with the trade. But you know why it doesn't matter, Chris? Because it's not going to affect us. It's going to affect those two organizations for the next five to ten years, yeah. dep- depending on who's involved. But but that being said, I do want to bring up some wrestling because I know I don't talk about wrestling. You know, I'm still, I'm still deep in the wrestling stuff. I've been in it. I'll, I'll put it like this. <laughs> I'm 35 years old, and I've been watching since – the 90s. So if you have a calculator, if you know how old I am, if you know what I'm talking about, I've been in this, you might as well say my whole life. So last night, for those who don't know, NXT, AEW, you know, WWE and AEW kind of went at it. It was kind of a reminder of the Monday Night Wars, kind of back in the day when it was when it was Monday Night Raw and Monday Night Nitro. And if anything, in though here's, here's the thing I say, competition can make you better and i think that's what happened in that monday night wars and it was an excellent documentary that i don't know if it's still i don't know if it's on peacock or not because i know when it was on the wwe network i know it was on there and it's an excellent how they told the story of the monday night wars between monday night raw monday night nitro it was it's a, it was compelling and you had so many things crossed but but i say this to say this you know, I you know I didn't watch much. I watched some of the highlights and watched stuff like that. But I watched WWE. I saw NXT, and let me tell you something. The show was they had John Cena. People say he's the go. I sure, but let me tell you, when I saw the Undertaker, let me tell you something, folks. And I'll say this: for those who know me, I'm the wrestling fan. I talk about wrestling on social media at Ladies underscore Brown on Twitter. And on TikTok at double underscore there's double underscore brown on Instagram. And I and I and I talk about wrestling, I talk about sports, I talk about a lot of stuff. Because the, the brain up here sometimes it goes to different avenues that I love so many passions. But when I saw The Undertaker, 
he's to me is my all like when it comes to my personal list of all time greatest wrestlers he's number one to me because to me the best match i ever saw as a kid and this may be some people's best match as well was when he fought mankind in a hell in a cell match and the image from that and the most i guess the image that people associate is with with undertaker through mcfoley through an announce table from top of the cage my guy's on the stretcher my guy says you know what he's pulling he's pulling the willis reed my guy's coming out. he said no i'm going back and finishing the match and to me it, it brought those memories when i saw the undertaker and so why why, why do you bring that up because to me i wrestling back then and now we will not I'm, I'm gonna say this due to a number of reasons we won't see the attitude era again we won't see it am i saying soft because here and because here's the thing you couldn't get away with i'm not even going to say half you couldn't go away with 10 percent of the stuff they did then now people Be, had a personality then because here's the thing what imagine I, I want people to picture this imagine if twitter or x and social media was around back in attitude era imagine stone cold tweeting out to the rock and to triple h and d you know and you got dx imagine if you had <laughs> imagine that on social media back then like imagine social media would have been broken but and it still was great if it was before social media that's what made it even to me at least that's what made it even better because imagine if if, if you put some of their promos they, they could cut promos on social media listen they you want to talk about suspended accounts you want to talk about you, you want to talk about some banned accounts been straight fire stone cold like, like that stone cold going after the rock the rock going after dx dx going after vince mcmahon vince mcmahon going after like it, it's an endless cycle and it was so great and, and and it drove up those memories for me for the undertaker you know seeing the undertaker just like i say number one guy on my list because of the fact that he was the guy that throughout the monday night wars like he would have been a guy that wcw would have wanted to poach but he stayed and this is where i circle back to what i said earlier in the show patience rewarded he stuck it out at a time where vince had to do something different and that's how we got dx how do we count it nwo well we'll get dx and people, I don't know if people remember this. Maybe me and Chris are just old like that. I, I'm assuming I look at the numbers. I think some of the people who lived to the show were about the same age. You know, some of the who may be a little bit younger. Like Diaz went and invaded or tried to invade a WCW event. God, that was great. And they went on. I mean, I'm not talking they rolled up in a car. I'm not talking they rolled up in like a truck. No, my guys rolled up in a tank that I still to this day have no idea how they got access to. I don't know who Vince knew at the Pentagon to get, to get that tank and drove it. It was Triple H. It, it, it was it was amazing. And people are like, you can't do that today. And, and I tell people, it's like wrestling can still be is still great today. But when people who it's the nostalgia, remember that attitude era, and we think about those days, it's like man, people used to you know give second signs to teachers. 
and to and to, to authority figures. I mean, people got listen. I seen some kids doing that. Listen, people got a lot of detentions and a lot of suspensions, but to them it was worth it because DX was anti-authority. Could you do that now? Eh, no, you probably couldn't because at that time, like that's a, it was a different era. Like I say, social if if social media was around back then, I think you, you I would, I think it would have exploded. And I don't mean that no high sense. It would have exploded because, and then when you see like Stone Cold coming back, it's like we're we're getting the attitude, but we're, it's never going to be the same. Because here's the thing, you know, I'll say this: if Chris have any thoughts on the back end, how many? Where in the world do you get paid money to beat up your boss? Like, look, not in a lot of places. Like Vince McMahon took so many. I mean, there was a segment. And, I, and those who are watching, you guys know which one I'm talking about. Where Vince took a stunner, he took a tombstone pile driver. My guy took a people's elbow. I'm not sure if he took a pedigree or not. They destroyed did, his Corvette too. And it's cool. And I said that all happened in one second. And then imagine taking a cement truck to Chris's point and backing up and you seeing uh, back up to your listen to your car. And you literally see, <laughs> you see the windows break as soon as that concrete reaches reaches full level. Like not a lot of listen, not you can't do it to a lot of bosses, but listen. And I think people don't understand. The attitude era will always be great for those kids who grew up in it, because it was about personal. Like so I think Chris Jericho spoke about this, or I don't want, or another wrestler spoke about it. He talked about what makes a great wrestler. You could be, Chris. I'm being a wrestling nerd. I've seen great wrestlers in the ring. You you have to. But here's what separates where the separation comes from. It's the personality. It's the character. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, because you, you got to be able to fit in. You know, Triple H and Shawn Michaels. They they made each other. The the Rock and his mic skills and Stone Cold. You know, remember, you know, Stone Cold kind of did the carousel of companies and almost got almost got released from the WWE. Yeah, there was no and almost. Then, there was almost my, my guy had one foot at the door with the keys in the other. Yeah, and and he turned into I, I would say one of the most recognizable and iconic wrestlers in history. I mean, even the younger generation know who Stone Cold is at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and you get your ones like Chris Jericho and things like that. And, you know, and then there's other ones that that were not main card fighters, per se, that were just hilarious. Uh, Val Venus, you know, probably one of the, one of my favorite ones just because yeah. I'm a degenerate. Yeah, G, G I wonder, I was going to say G, Chris. Yeah, I, I, I wonder why... Yeah, but but if you remember one of his last segments with the, the Japanese guy and they and they, they cut off his dick in the locker room, well, you know, uh, like allegedly, alleg- allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. Remember, um, it, they pulled the Sopranos and went black, so we don't yeah, know what happened. I hated that. Um, we don't know what happened. Stuff, you know, stuff like that, or like Al Snow. Uh, you know, it, it was just it was so wild. Or you have. Uh, then, like all the females, the Sables and the Sunnies and uh, uh, the Litas and the Trish Stratuses and Miss Kitty, and uh, it was just it, it was it was a good time, man. It was a good good. And then, 
And then on the opposite side, a couple channels down the TV, then you had WCW Nitro just with Eric Bischoff and all that insanity. Um, you know, and they eventually fell and crumbled to Vince McMahon's overpowering and overbearing company. But uh, it was it was fun. And it sucks that it's not like that today. And these kids have all these loser, gimmicky, crappy genre. It's just, it's not fun. I, I've tried watching it. You know, Ladarius is definitely the expert now. I tried watching it again, I, I and I just I couldn't do it. It's just I'm gonna leave. You know, I, I feel like if you guys uh, if you guys have watched the Ahsoka series, I feel like Bale and Skull. Like I, I I miss the times of old. You know, like like he says with you know with the Jedi Order, and he misses he he misses the old way, but he doesn't miss it all the way. And and that's how I feel. I miss the Attitude Era. And and the the Monday Night Wars and and all of that, but then I see it now. I don't know. It's just it's lame. I I don't have anything nice to say about it. And uh, yeah, and that's a wrap, boys. Yeah, that's our show for tonight. <laughs> but before you go, you can like and listen to this episode and every episode of the Sports and the World Podcast, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. And I mentioned earlier, you can follow. Follow me on social media at Ladarius underscore Brown on both TikTok and on Twitter. Well, the I posted the Thursday night football, my Thursday night football preview between the Denver Broncos and the Kansas City Chiefs. And check me out on Instagram at Ladarius double underscore Brown. There as well. Check us out on the social media platform as well. You can find us there as well. And folks, until you hear us again next time, I'm Ladarius. And I'm Chris. Be real, be you, be blessed, and be safe from all of us here from the Sports and the World Podcast. See ya.